I bet you didn't know that the design of the football helmet influenced the helmet design for soldiers in World War I and World War II. But let me tell you about it. Welcome to Design Dive, the podcast that explores design that's all around us every Wednesday in just 10 to 15 minutes, so you can get on with your day. My name's Chris Downs, and whether you're a designer or just simply curious about how design impacts our everyday life, you're in the right place. So, Let's dive in. Today we're going to talk about the football helmet. Now, whether you're a football fan or not, this might be of interest to you. When I was studying all of this for this podcast, I was blown away how much information is out there about the design of the football helmet and just how far back that history goes. So let's go ahead and go back all the way to the year 1883. A Navy football player by the name of Joseph M. Reeves had a challenge. He had a brutal season, and his doctor had told him that if he had one more hit to the head, it would lead to what the doctor's words were, instant insanity or even death. Now, if you you hear that from your doctor, instant insanity, I can only imagine the thoughts that would go through your mind. Now, Reeves really wanted to play football, especially in the traditional rivalry game against the army. Now, his solution, he decided to go to a local shoemaker and had him build a helmet that had ear flaps made out of moleskin. This was the very first helmet in football history. This helmet was revolutionary. Now, it doesn't seem like a lot, and really it wasn't in terms of the protection that it gave you during a football game, but Reeves took this design back to the Navy, and similar helmets were made and worn by pilots and paratroopers in World War I. Now, the helmet will continue to evolve. We see that in the early 1900s, soft leather helmets were starting to become optional for football players. Now, the problem is that some players opted out of wearing them because, one, they were too hot, having that leather right on top of your head during hot days, and they couldn't really hear the plays because of those ear flaps that were covering. So... Later in 1917, they fixed these issues by changing just a few things. There are holes added to the top of the helmet for ventilation and holes for the ear flaps so that players could hear what's going on around them. They also added straps to help absorb and distribute the force of impacts during the game. Now, this helmet was named the Zepke helmet after Illinois coach Bob Zepke, who came up with this design. In 1920, these soft leather helmets were replaced with hardened leather, just another layer of protection to, to make it even more safe. This created the iconic look known as Leatherheads. In 1939, the high school football coach John T. Riddle introduced the first plastic helmet. In a few years, they would add chin straps uh, to secure the helmet on the players' heads. 
new suspension lining that would make it more comfortable. And this suspension system was key. Now, after seeing these helmets Rydell had made, worn by the Green Bay Packers, General George S. Patton contracted him and licensed the technology. Now, at this time, the Army was changing from the M1917 helmet from World War I that was really just uncomfortable and didn't offer a lot of protection. If you can imagine with me, they kind of looked like these little discs that were on their heads. There wasn't really protection around the head. So something had to change to provide comfort and protection for soldiers. Now, his suspension helmet made it to what was known as the M1 helmet used by soldiers during World War II. That suspension system continues today to be used in helmets worn by the armed forces today. In 1943, helmets were mandatory for all players in the NFL. To me, that is wild that it took 60 years from the very first helmet design to at this point in history to finally have some sort of a rule that helmets would need to be worn in order to protect players. Again, why it took that long, I'm not sure, but really these helmets were boring. They're not like the helmets that we see today with all the colors and designs. They were all brown, no designs at all, and really it just made it hard to tell teams apart on the field. Now, in 1948, Los Angeles Rams halfback Fred Gerke was an art major in college. So he had an idea to paint a design on the helmet to make it look a little more interesting than that dull brown. So he took a helmet home and he worked all night to paint gold ram's horns on, on a blue helmet that he had made. And he took it over to coach Bob Snyder and the owner of the Rams, Dan Reeves at the time, and they loved it. They loved it so much that they commissioned him to paint that same design on every single helmet on the team for a dollar a helmet. Now, if it took you all night to paint this design on a helmet, imagine what it took to just paint that same design on every helmet. At the beginning of the 1948 Rams season, when the players came out, fans loved the design. And they loved it so much that the audience had a standing ovation for over five minutes, sharing just how much that they loved it, that it was something different, showing support for the team that they loved. Now, we have another problem with these helmets. They're not perfect yet. We are seeing players getting injured and hit in the face and causing all sorts of damage. So there's a problem to be solved where, great, we're protecting the head, but what about the face? After a severe injury from one of his players, Cleveland coach Paul Brown worked with his equipment manager to come up with a plastic bar that would go around the player's mouth, protecting them from impacts from that direction. Now, these helmets helped for the most part, but sometimes this plastic bar would break especially in the cold when it got brittle, it just wasn't reliable. So Coach Brown continued working with professionals to develop a stronger system. Now in 1955, the first version of this plastic bar that would 
be used across the board was made of a single plastic and rubber gray bar. It was light, yet still added the protection that they were looking for. And it was called the BT5 face mask. At the time, all Cleveland players had to wear them. And shortly after, other teams followed. So let's talk about how we get to today's helmet. Because today's helmet is very different from what 1955 looked like. In the 1960s and 70s, additional padding was added to help soften the blow during impact. Additionally, there were more face mask options available for players. And by 1975, we start to see the first full face mask showing up during games. By the 1980s, that you can say the helmet was pretty complex. Here we have this complex face mask system, suspension and uh, padding and everything. At this point, it's an understatement to say that this was a work of art. But there are still problems to be solved. Today, yes, helmets offer an extreme amount of protection and are vital for players during gameplay. But we still see concussions happening during games that come because of hard impacts. Now, we can't easily plan for things that happen like that, but technology is being developed that will help in those instances. For example, a technology being worked on currently and most recently is a helmet that will slightly morph along with the force of impact to limit the damage that happens to the head. Right now we have hard shell helmets that once impacted can cause a lot of shock to the head. So really our work isn't done to try to limit the amount of damage that's caused during these hard hits. Studies are shown, data is out there, and it's still under debate today. This design, the football helmet, is still trying to be perfected to this day. And like I always say, design is really never finished. It always needs to be challenged and pushed to something better, especially when human lives are on the line. We want to make sure that players are safe, playing the game that we love and enjoy watching. And that's our dive. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow the channel, leave a rating or review, and share this podcast with others. But until next time, keep learning, stay inspired, and remember, design is all around us. See ya.